We are talking to the fifth generation owner of Omaha Steaks, uh, Todd Simon. Wow, I hate to say it. In the midst of this crisis we're living through, what a great time for Omaha Steaks. You were already on this, right? Flash frozen, safely delivered to your door. You get an amazing amount of food that you can stock up in your freezer. Well, that's right. I mean, we are experts in frozen food delivery, and we've been shipping great protein and meals and steaks, you know, directly to people's homes since the mid-50s. So we're already sort of set up and expert at it. So, you know, when people, you know, either stopped wanting to go to stores or when stores didn't have enough supply, uh, we were ready to, to step in and really help our customer family make sure that they were able to stock up and have what they needed during this unfortunate moment. And your quality is amazing. I just am amazed the amount you get for the price that you get, right? Because you actually have like stock up varieties now. Tell us about those. That's right. So if you go to our website now, we're focusing a lot on stock up packages because what we're finding is that what our customers want is they want a big box with a lot of portions so they can get that in their freezer and so that they can make sure that they're doing great meals at home, but they're not kind of creating monotony, right? They really want variety. My wife now is cooking something different every night, looking for different recipes. So we've got these pre-packed stock-up boxes that are ready to ship now. They're filled with a huge variety of steaks, of premium poultry and pork. We've got no-work family meals for your slow cooker, your oven. We've got skillet meals. We've got side dishes. And we've got artisan desserts. And one of the things, you know, we've heard is that, you know, don't forget the sweets, right? People want to have something sweet to end the meal. So great food, cooked easily. One less problem that really people have to deal with right now is they're thinking about so many things that could potentially overwhelm them. And Todd, can I just say, uh, during this time of crisis, the Stephanie Miller Show so appreciates our sponsors because everyone's having a tough time. And let me just say, my listeners get the need to support my sponsors. You've been so loyal to us and they've been so loyal to you. And now it's a win-win-win for everybody. So thank you so much. Go to OmahaStakes.com, type Stephanie in the box. And Todd, thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you so much and please stay safe. You too. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. Well, here we are, folks. It's Saturday, and I feel like uh, I've spent more and less time with everybody. Um, <laughs> right, out, right out of the gate, I would like to say that I, you know I've been streaming every single day since the beginning, since the 15 days to stop the spread that was 14 days that started the day before but really needed to go a couple extra days but then became 30 days, which was actually 45 days from the start. But they're trying to you know, eat this elephant uh, – uh, one fork at a time. While, while Which we is why we're actually calling this radio show the intervention. Hal, we are here to stop you. <laughs> That's right, from streaming just once, yeah. Um, but I will say that uh, having been on the air um, and just streaming nonstop, I'm getting a little loosey-goosey with how I behave on the radio versus how I be- behave on my own stream. So uh, apparently I was offensive last week. And um, to anyone I offended, uh, I apologize uh, profusely. Uh, and we'll move on because sometimes there's uh, language in, in polite company where there's a, a trust circle that you understand someone means you know uh, ill and then you expand outside that and people can get upset. And I'm not one of those people who apologizes for upsetting someone. I apologize for my behavior. How about that? Uh-huh. Of course, not going to repeat what uh, apparently offended someone because that kind of defeats the point. Um, Unless but I, I ask you nicely. Well, you know, I always leave an extra note in your Valentine's every year, but that's it's a totally different context oh, there. Can uh, I say boner out of context? Yeah, I just wanted to address that uh, right off the 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 beginning. Now, granted, you know, there's scales of offense in the world, 
And I don't know if you have been watching my live stream, John. I'll be offended if you haven't seen at least some of them. Um, but at the, uh, of, you know, I've been going over every single one of these uh, Trump pressers. I'm so sorry. It's brutal. And um, there is a, uh, 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 we had a, you know, obviously we never run out of phrases that, that Trump can, you know, and, and directions he could go. Um, and I think the one that probably stood out for a lot of people, which was interesting because I actually, in the process, you, did you hear that quote, what he said about m models? Uh, no, I didn't oh. hear him talk about the, uh, the model. You mean the models of the progress of the disease? Sort of. Um, ultimately... Um, oh my goodness! I'm not. Or did we learn that my... he doesn't understand <laughs> what um, a model is? Yeah, no. Um, here's the thing. I have to. Uh, sorry, I started my streams. But sorry for starting the streams late, guys. I had a different setting on from last night when I did the flapper show, and I didn't realize I had to unclick something to get it to broadcast. So hi and good morning and hello stream. And I apologize. Uh, um, thanks for joining us. Hello, infotainmentwars.com. Join us on the stream there, or Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, or hey. Listen to us on the radio and sit back and have a nice <laughs> cup of tea. Listen to us on the radio. Well, I, I have to live up to the name Mega Worldwide or it's too much work. Um, okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, th there's been a lot of ridiculous stuff that Trump has said over the last um, couple of months um, leading up to this. Besides even his ultimate denial about this, you know, for for weeks and weeks and weeks not getting a jump on this, all that stuff, where he, apropos of nothing, does these these bragging moments, like saying he's the most popular person on Facebook when he's not even in the top 20. Um, and, and you know who is? Because of the demographics of who uses Facebook worldwide and, and the sort of the popularity of which artists are big, it's largely like Latin artists. So the idea that he's not even in the top 20, but he's under a bunch of people he would refuse entry into the country is kind of poetic in and of itself, right? Absolutely. So um, this is Trump yesterday when they're talking about um, how many people will get sick and die from, uh, from COVID-19, what the, you know, the chances are of it becoming you know, a, a real problem. And he had to interject his own little moment in this. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, and by the way, while he's doing that, he's making this like wavy hand gesture. Like it's, it's some, you know, 15 year old Miss Teen USA back. It's just creepy. It, and it's it is incredibly pathetic of this guy to make what an unfortunate place to have to inject his fragile ego in the middle of all of this. Exactly. Yeah, that is that is the horrifying aspect. And, and you know, again, this goes and how his supporters. I'm sorry. Like there, there are people that I think are just nice people that support him and think that he's just being attacked all the time, just w without without warrant. And it it really just. Do they do they just not hear it? Do they pretend well, I, that it means my, something different? Right. My response to those folks has always been, 
Um, I feel like he's always being defended without merit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like they jump to protect him in stuff that in their own behavior they wouldn't let go. You know what I mean? Like in, in stuff that they wouldn't, you, you know, they wouldn't tolerate in other people. Thank you, Hal Vickery. Thank you guys so much. That's awesome. Um, so we are, you know, as we proceed through today's show, um, there are a bunch of moments over the last couple of months where, and I, and, um, I have to, like, it, it may, it's teeth grinding stuff. Um, and, you know, the, one of the Is good- Is that the sound that, that happens when you get like a little- Super yeah, chat? yeah, that's, that's when Tony super chats. Are Sounds with- like Las Vegas. Yeah, because Al Vickery uh, super chatted. He was really nice. It is kind of a pleasant sound. Um, but um, I was going to save this for the happy ending, but I feel like we need so much good news all the time. Yeah, we don't need to save it up. We don't. Yeah, we don't have to wait. Um, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon um, tweeted that, uh, an hour ago: New York needs more ventilators, and we are answering their call for help. We'll be sending 140 ventilators to help New York. Because Oregon is in a better position right now, we must do all that we can to help those on the front lines of this response. United States. Yeah, go figure. Um, just uh, an, an incredible gesture from them. Um, Cuomo was on TV just a few minutes ago um, thanking her for this and responding to it. And it was, just, it was just great to see, you know, that in the midst of all this, there is a... Um, you know, the, the states are doing the job that the Just federal government... Just pragmatic humanitarian behavior. Right. And did you... Um, I, I don't know if you saw Jared Kushner this week. I saw a bunch of pictures and I thought, oh, the Wax Museum is making a comeback. And then, I, <laughs> right. and then I realized, oh no, that's a person. Yeah. So Well, in, in theory... Okay. All right. Let me... I'm going to take two. That is... <laughs> That is a lizard from space wearing (laughs) the skin of a person. In a a surprisingly accurate human costume. Yes, and I would like to apologize to lizards for saying that. Um, Sorry, lizards. Sorry, lizards. You're a necessary part of the the biosphere. The whole biosphere, yeah, we really need you. Right. play a delicate part. And um, Jerry Kushner does not speak for you. We understand this. This is true. So um, So what did Jared have to say? um, Well, his big thing was... um, that he well <laughs> i'm, I'm just, way like, too proud the of that laugh that you have right now is that your coronavirus laugh <laughs> not <worried>. totally <laughs> um the 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 issue with um uh well thank you venus flight um the the issue with um uh <laughs> where how do you even start this so jared comes out and says uh, he's the the and God knows why, but he is in charge of ma- of managing. Um, thank you, uh, DC two five seven. Um, he's in charge of managing where the stuff from the stockpile goes. Okay, insofar as we know. Now he, there was this weird thing in the conversation. I'll see if I can find it. But he talks about what his role is and how there's this shadow version and their power struggling between the real task force and Jared's shadow task force, which I think is the normal task force, but with a, a, a secret contact line to Russia probably, but the, at this point, but he comes out and he says, you know, these things in the stockpile 
are not for the states. They're ours. And, hmm. and oh, I, that's why I saw people saying, do you know many federal citizens? Who are they? Are they nice? Yeah, right. Y- yeah, well, they do. And, that, and I think what he means is there's such a limited stockpile. They're looking at that as like a bioweapon protection stockpile for federal workers, the White House, their friends and family. Nice. Um, uh, it, it became abundantly clear yesterday that Trump had a meeting with the uh, oil executives from a bunch of different oil producers in the United States, and they all got tested before they could meet the president. And apparently they were that. all happy to have just gotten tested. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, now, granted, they're probably um, a good portion of them are stupid and think that means they can't get it now. It's not an antibody test. Thank you, Joyce. Um, you know, so they they are probably not getting, uh, <laughs> you know, the, taking the precautions necessary to make sure they don't catch the thing now. But apparently they were all very happy. So this parade of executives who's coming in to see Trump every week and that he talks about at these pressers mm-hmm. um, are apparently all getting tested. So a lot of them just want to meet the president so they can have a they can get to the front of the lines of a coronavirus test. Um, but that doesn't seem cool. No, no, not at all. Um, but let's uh, we got to take a break. And then when we come back, I'd like, I want to do at least a little bit of uh, walking down memory lane and reminding people what the Trump campaign organization and Trump himself was saying about what we are going through now. We, a couple of weeks ago, just a, mm-hmm. uh, less than a month ago, four weeks ago from where we are now with the country completely shut down, biggest tank of the job market in history, largest drops in the stock market in history. And what were they saying? We'll find out after this break. It'll be lovely. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. So um, January 22nd, um, the uh, Trump said, uh, we have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China. February 2nd, we pretty much shut it down coming from China. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. February 24th. How can, he, how can he defend this timeline at all, ever? Um, because nobody could have guessed there would be anything like this. What, what, who's ever heard of a pandemic? Um, February 24th, the coronavirus very much under control in the USA. Stock market starting to look very good to me. February 24th. February 25th, CDC and my administration doing a great job of handling coronavirus. February 25th, I think that's a problem that's going to go away. They've studied, they have to, uh, they have studied it. They know very much. In fact, we're very close to a vaccine. This is February 25th. February 26th, the 15 cases within a couple of days is going to go down to close to zero. Mm. February 26th, we're going to be very substantially down, not up. February 27th, one day it's like a miracle, it will disappear. February 28th, we're ordering a lot of supplies, we're ordering a lot of uh, elements that, frankly, we wouldn't be ordering unless it was something like this, but we're ordering a lot of different (laughs) elements of medical. Uh, March 2nd. You take a solid flu vaccine. You don't think that could have an impact or much of an impact on Corona? That's when he asks somebody at the task force gathering if they couldn't just give people the flu vaccine to get rid of this. Sounds legit. Oh, boy. So uh, let's see. Um, March 2nd, a lot of things are happening. A lot of very exciting things are happening, and they're happening very rapidly. 
um, which could be, that's kind of a generic any evergreen. He said it about coronavirus, but he it's evergreen with him. Uh, March 5th, I never said people that are feeling sick should go to work. Uh, oh, wait, I skipped one. March 4th, if we have thousands of people that get better just by, you know, sitting around and even going to work, some of them go to work, but they get better. All right, so then, sorry, then March 5th, I never said people that are feeling sick should go to work. March 6th. I think we're doing a really good job in this country at keeping it down, a tremendous job of keeping it down. March 6th, anybody right now and yesterday, anybody that needs a test gets a test, and the tests are beautiful. They're perfect, just like the letter was perfect, the transcription was perfect, right? That was the most perfect as that, not as perfect as that, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. March 6th, mm-hmm. uh, same day, by the way. This is at the CDC. I like this stuff. I really get it. There are people surprised. I understand it. Every one of these doctors said, People are surprised that I get it? Yeah. How much do you know so much about this? Maybe I have a natural ability. Maybe I have. I should have done this instead of running for president. Uh, by yes. the way, yes. I'm for him doing anything except having yes. run for president. March 6th, I don't, need to, I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship that wasn't our fault. March oh. 8th. We have a perfectly coordinated and fine-tuned plan at the White House for our attack on coronavirus, which is probably the most ridiculous one of all of them. March 9th, the fake news media and their partner, the Democrat Party, is doing everything within its semi-considerable power to inflame the coronavirus situation. March 10th, it will go away. Just stay calm. It will go away. March 13th, declared a national emergency. Um, if, if, uh, on February 4th, when they, uh, you know, stopped the travel because China stopped people leaving Wuhan on the 28th of January. And we stopped people flying in from there. And, you know, people who had visited that province in the last two weeks on February 4th. If on February 4th, when he got the briefing that said 150,000 Americans minimum are going to die from this disease, um, if he'd have started ramping up ventilator production, then um, there would not be shortages in the country. There would have been enough. It would have taken the you know two on a ventilator strategies of New York and all that kind of stuff, but there would have been an adequate supply. Um, but because he ignored it now, all the ventilators, he's like, they're going to be made fairly soon in a very short order. They're going to make them so fast. They're going to be here in late June, if at all. And most of the people who die in the first wave will have never, uh, will die because they didn't get one. So, um, I mean, just madness, just grotesque. Yep. And so this is, um, February 25th. Larry Kudlow went on Fox and said the virus was contained. The president on that day said, um, you know, it's going to be fine. It's all over before, but for the the flailing, uh, we're doing very good and it's great. His uh, spokesperson from the campaign, um, uh, I'm blitzing on her name, Fembot number nine. She was on on Trish. I mean, he only hires Fembots, essentially. It's really weird. You know, um, she was on Trish Regan's show. You'll know Trish Regan from uh, she had to have her show shut down because she was spreading conspiracy theories and lies about treatment on the network and putting them in a position where they could get sued 
She remember that woman who just lost her show? Oh yeah, she yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that's Trish. She was Regan. the one who said the whole thing was a uh, um, an impeachment hoax. Yes, right. Her. She's gone now. But on her show on February twenty fifth, she had Trump's campaign spokesman a uh, spokesperson on, and this is what she had to say: mm. virus. And the president's saying, you know, look, we're not going to take people in from China right now. I mean, isn't it just a matter of protecting us, our national security really being at stake? And he's sort of the last line of defense there. Well, first That's line, right. I should say. Absolutely. This president will always put America first. He will always protect American citizens. We will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here. And isn't that refreshing when contrasting it with the awful presidency of President Obama? Oh, my word. Yeah. The awful presidency of President Obama. President Obama, by the way, who, uh, with Joe Biden in charge of the effort, actually, uh, put together a pandemic response team after uh, the the fears of bird flu and swine flu growing into the Ebola crisis. They went, you know what, we're going to need to deal with this because these weren't the big ones everybody's been warning us about, but we damn well better have a plan. And so now there's a whole bunch of what abouting with their response to H1N1. Right. And, well, that, the, the, the issue that they have with, you know, with H1N1 is that the worldwide numbers versus this one are, are being dwarfed nearly instantly. And one of the things that, that did stop H1N1 was, this, was a direct form of strategy. We, if you'll recall around H1N1, um, it was a, uh, a, the, uh, I believe the fatality rate but the, uh, was higher on H1N1, but the, but the contagion rate was lower. So it was a, you know, both the benefit of this, but the fact that the contagion rate, if it had been higher, would have cascaded across the country is what made them go, wow, we really need to look at having a pandemic response team l- watching stuff round the clock, y- you know, uh, as a regular order uh, of business these days. And uh, Trump dismantled that. He also, by the way, um, all those um, things that Jared says are ours in the national stockpile, like the masks and the ventilators, um, apparently they canceled the ventilator maintenance contract last year. <laughs> so a bunch of the ventilators are getting, uh, that are being sent around, including I think 140 that were sent to Illinois, don't work. And they weren't replacing the masks. They just let them sit there on the shelves uh, and they a bunch of them rotted. Um, mm. Yeah. So uh, this, is, this is the difference between people who, I, I always go back to um, Live, Die, Repeat, the uh, you know, uh, Edge of Tomorrow movie with um, Tom Cruise, where he's lived the same moment over and over and over again, and he keeps confronting this one general about trying to get this device they need that might be the trick that cures everyone and solves this problem. And finally, after arguing with this guy and then dying and then arguing and dying and arguing and dying, he finally says to the guy, General, you are intellectually incapable of handling this moment, and you never will be. And that guy is such a good guy that that's the yeah. thing that makes him rethink and go, okay, go ahead. Take wow. it. Um, and that's, that's the kind of harsh honesty you expect from certain people. Um, meanwhile, what we're getting from Trump is firing the, the Navy commander of the ship who had a hundred soldiers sick on his boat and then firing last night, the, uh, 
the the inspector general in charge of the um, the whistleblower that uh, brought charges about uh, Ukraine. Yep, yep. If they just if they just keep firing the people who call them out on the checks and balances, those will just go away. away. That's right. So I, you know, I don't think anybody is um, surprised um, by any of Trump's behavior at this point. I think what we're surprised at more than anything is, first of all, the the magic by which some people around him get anything done. Um, they are now openly at these gatherings contradicting the president right away, but you can see them using language that they know he will not grasp or kissing his butt first and then saying whatever the bad thing is that he'll disagree with. And there's a couple of times where he's like literally like, okay, that's enough. And he sort of brooms Dr. Burks or, or secretary Azar out of the way. Um, and it is, it's going to get worse folks. Um, not just the situation with the disease, because as all epidemics go, we are at the beginning of the arc, not the end. We are not at the apex of this yet. We, and, and social distancing is the only tool that all of us individually have to deal with this at all. Yep. Um, and we'll talk about masks and all that other stuff when we come back. And, uh, I think we have old Bob on the line for his weekly. Oh, right, check. right. Sorry, old Bob. That's no, okay. We're going to check with him right after this break. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. We'll be back right after this. You're parked outside the restaurant where you're meeting your date in 10 minutes. Glancing in the mirror, you notice your wrinkles and large under eye bags. You rummage through your bag thinking, where's your secret weapon? And there it is. Plexiderm. You apply the clear serum under your eyes and boom, two minutes later, you start seeing the under eye bags and wrinkles disappearing in front of your eyes. You'll look years younger. Plexiderm is the clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the Valentine's Day gift you give yourself. Go to triplexiderm.com and enter voices for 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. Again, enter voices at triplexiderm.com to get 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mention code voices. Plexiderm is backed by a 90-day money-back guarantee, so to get our special discount, enter voices at triplexiderm.com. This is Tom Hartman, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Welcome back. So um, before we get move on to anything else and we talk about uh, stuff, by the way, uh, wear a mask when you go out in public. The, uh, um, the CDC now agrees with what I've been saying for weeks. Oh, my God. And that's how they made the announcement. Yeah, they're like, Hal Sparks was Hal right. Hal was right. Again. Um... I've been right a lot. I don't know if you heard Trump say that. Like, oh my thing. god! I've been right a lot. Um, oh so it, he became dumb and dumber. Oh, I like it a lot. Oh, um, a lot. So, uh, but let's check in with old Bob before we do that. Oh, Bob. Yeah, old Bob's with us. Oh, gentlemen, there he is. <laughs> Hello, my lordship. Are you doing good? You holding in? You holding up? Well. Here's another fine mess the Republicans have gotten us into. <laughs> yeah. Well, truer words were never said. I've lived through another week. How about you? Yeah, um, so far. 
I believe I have, although now I'm beginning to believe that we live in some sort of simulation and that they're doing an update. And so we all have to go inside so we don't see how the sky changes. That's my new theory. <laughs> this is not, this is not a, uh, a, you know, a giant kind of uh, UN conspiracy. This is literally like, oh, no, we have to, we have to do a new update because the old controllers won't work. But uh, that's just the gamer in me. I, I, are, uh, you seem like you're thriving. Well, to the degree that I can. It's, right. it's bizarre, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I was in t- town last week, and I tell you, all these giant empty parking lots, at least that means uh, people are staying home around here like I am pretty much. Right. Well, that's that's a good sign because that's really the only thing you can make of it. Um, is is the is keep because that's the way it burns itself out. I don't think this is the thing people grasp why the social distancing for a period is so valuable. Because if you have it and you are asymptomatic or you are mild symptoms, you will go through the cycle at home without infecting anybody else. And if you stay in long enough and you keep your surfaces clean in your own home, you won't carry it out the door when you go out and give it to somebody who hasn't been exposed yet. And the arc of those particular germs, let's say germ A, which you had and you had on you and in you, um, those all live out their life cycle while you're isolated. And then after that, you're not carrying it out into the world when you go to the store, you go to work or any of those kind of things. And the same thing applies to every single other human that's out there right now. And, and so the, the goal of this is if we can, that's why 15 days was never going to be enough. Um, 45 days from the start should have been the number quarantine literally comes from the word 40. Um, and 40 days are enough of an arc for almost any pathogen to die without help, uh, keeping it alive. And, and if people are sick together, Somebody goes through a 12-day cycle of having the illness, getting it, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, getting sick from it and then recovering from it. If somebody in their house doesn't catch it until three days into them having it, their cycle, their cycle starts at that point. And so there's, it's, like a, it's like singing row, row, row your boat and around. You know, it, goes, it rolls over and over until the last person carries that pathogen to its, its, you know, its logical conclusion. That can take as much as three cycles, depending on, you know, uh, and it's worse if it's the last 15 days, you know, the 15th day you catch it from the person who had it. Um, usually it's the beginning of the arc um, and during the highest symptomatic stuff. After you start to recover, you already have the antigens in your system, so you're not really passing it on more than likely, but it's better to be safe than sorry. So let's say 10 days into everybody, anybody having this disease, that's the for 10 days you can from when you get it to when you're you know that 10 day mark you can pass it to somebody else their next their 10 day cycle starts that day so 9 days in we're a 19 day quarantine necessity so that that is the rolling aspect of this and i think as long as people are doing that this whole thing's overblown. We need to get the economy going again. What are you, Dr. Drew now? Um, <laughs> Man, that bummed me out. It, I, I've, I've been bitching about him since Celebrity Rehab. But Bob is why we're here. And Bob, is, uh, like, you, well, as long as your health is solid, are you are you getting regular groceries? Are you So you're going out once a oh, week? What's your deal? Uh, yeah, uh, but it's going to get really good next week. 
because I'm going into town to my sister's, and uh-huh. she's going to give me my big banana bandana to cover my muzzle. And, oh. Uh, and you you want to be shaped like a banana? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to become the senile desperado. Right. And, uh, That's right. Everybody's so, uh, everybody's an outlaw now. Right. This is fantastic. Yeah. It is absolutely. I'm. A, sure. I don't know if uh, how many are watching at home, but I'm going to be riding right along with you, Bob. Um, yeah. So the yeah, um, it, it is true though. If you're going to go out, there there are two benefits, and they were so unclear. Did you watch any of that, Bob? About about them saying wear a mask. I you, heard that bantied about. It seems like now they're finally more and more getting on that same page. Right. But uh, over the past couple weeks, I've heard, you don't yes. need it, you need it, you don't need it, maybe you need it, uh, uh, you know, call next right. door. You know, I, well, the, the, yeah, the, the issue came largely um, because when they first said it, it, you, it, they were saying people might need a mask to go outside, and what they got were the N95 masks, and we need as many of those we have more citizens than we have medical workers, and the medical workers need them. And if a third yeah. of the regular citizenry buys them up, there are no masks for the medical workers. So they kept they told everybody, well, a mask might be a good idea. And then everybody started buying the masks. They're like, oh, crap, we don't have enough masks. We're screwed. Don't wear a mask unless you need one like this. And then People were arguing back and forth. Well, you should cover your face for certain reasons. If you're symptomatic, we should wear one. But if you're not symptomatic, but you could breathe in the particles, so they're all over the map. Here's, uh, let me make it abundantly clear. And and after a 10-minute conversation with any epidemiologist or any doctor, you would come to the exact same uh, idea and, and direction. If you are symptomatic, stay home. If you are alone and symptomatic and you have no other choice and you go out, you must wear gloves and a mask to protect other people and clean all the surfaces you come in contact with because that is your responsibility. If you're ambulatory and ill, if you are going out in public and you are uh, you have no symptoms and no reason to believe that you are uh, um, have any wear a cloth mask to keep from touching your face. And if you can wear, if you wear glasses, leave them on. And if you don't wear glasses, wear sunglasses or something else to cover your eyes to keep you from touching your eyes as well. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing about it. All right. I I, I look a hell of a lot better too. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. It covers up half your face. It makes you look mysterious. But the point is. Really makes your eyes pop. It does. The, um, uh, the, the point is. Wear a mask uh, less about, you know, because a cloth mask is not going to stop viral particles, but it will stop the uh, the spittle particles from other people. And it will also stop you from, after you have touched a, a surface, which may have it on there, touching your mouth or your nose. And that is two-thirds of the mucous membranes where the virus enters your face. The other one is your yeah, eyes. Drooler. That's where, yeah, well, um, it's all over your shirt. I'm not never touch Johnny Million's shirt. Don't touch, your face. Yeah, anything above the belly button is really it's just bad news. What? So the but hmm? um, that's where sunglasses or or clear frames. I have glasses that I wear that are the 
um, that are blue blocker lenses for when you're at a computer to keep you from getting fatigued when I'm doing when I'm writing for long periods of time. They're not corrective lenses or anything, but they just protect your eyes. These work just as well. The point is that nothing's perfect, but you're going to stop yourself from touching your eyes and your mouth and your nose. That's the key one. So you're eliminating one of the biggest ways the disease passes. The other thing is, if you are uh, asymptomatic and carrying it, you are going to project less spit onto surfaces when you talk. That lowers the contagion. That's the value of it. That's the, and it can be any you know, wear a Boba Fett mask. It doesn't matter. So what you're saying is I should have been wearing a mask for a long time time. before this. That's right. Yeah. Um, That's what I said. Like vinyl fetishes are going to outlive us all. Um, The the, the only survivor after all this is over is going to be the gimp from Pulp Fiction. But the (laughs) point I'm trying to make is wear something that you can clean um, very easily, um, but also that keeps you from, if you're asymptomatic, um, if everybody spits a little bit when they talk, some more than others, and instead of letting that project, it further, totally gave me like like side eye across the country with that through, through the internet. Yeah, yeah. In, in all seriousness, this is you know that's the main value of wearing a mask in public is keeping your spit from traveling as far as it normally would and keeping you from touching your face. That's it. That's the reason. That's why a cloth mask is fine for that part of it. You don't need an N95. It's not, and you can't reuse those anyways. Some dude, and I, I got to look up the, the post, but one of these guys, Blabbermouth, had it up. Um, this dude from, I want to say Slipknot, wears a, another kind of mask all the time, like a, a, a surgical mask that he made himself that he wears constantly because he's worried about stuff that he's done for a long time and gave himself 32 other infections. Oh, boy. Yeah. So um, we got to take a break. Oh, Bob, I'm so glad you're doing well. Um, uh, we uh, Check in with us again next week, um, and we will get through this. You only, Yeah, we'll, we just want to make sure you're doing well. And uh, make sure when she gives you that cloth mask that she's washed your hands, she's wearing gloves, she's wearing her mask, and you can wash yours before you put it on your face. All right. Take care of yourself, oh, Bob. We'll be back right after this. It's the House Parks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Patreon.com slash House Parks is the way to support the show, or you can super chat us here. Um, but uh, we exist only because of the grace of your uh, your kind acts. If you can't do that right now because of coronavirus and all that stuff, do not feel an ounce of guilt about it. We appreciate you being in here and just spreading the good word. Um, take care, and we'll be back right after this. Absolutely. So you are. Yes, I am. So um, uh, there is some uh, good news. Spain's death toll has fallen for the second day in a row. Um, Now, granted, they had hard spikes, um, so they they will go down faster simply because uh, those who are most susceptible um, with zero intervention die uh, sooner, and therefore they don't the the few days of medical professionals and other patients being exposed to that person, um, it, it shortens that time. That's partly why. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so rough to like celebrate. Hey, fewer people died, you know, yeah, but that's, but that but is, that's, yeah, it is a good thing. Um, um, right now, um, 
New York is getting uh, ventilators from Oregon, like I said before, but they're also getting, they made an order from China and they're actually going to get them. Um, 40,000 people have tested positive in the UK. Um, wow. um, and Spain had 809 deaths. Um, Man. Yeah. Tokyo reports over 100 new daily cases for the first time because that's when they... And I don't know if you know this, but like Spain, they only have like 200,000 people. What? I know a lot about Spain. I know more about Spain than most people. You do? Oh, you, mm. it, it, did they, how many... Compared to Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> 38 have? million in 30, Seoul. Yeah. And a couple hundred thousand in Spain. Uh, right. That's right. Uh, um. And the death toll in Iran, at least what they've registered, is 3,400 now. Um, and Australia has started slowing the, the spread of their disease. Now, Australia and a couple of other countries are uniquely suited. In many ways, it's kind of like I'm in Nevada right now because um, this is where I was when the lockdown began. And I'm not traveling or moving back and forth during that time. And Nevada um, is is an interesting state because it's basically three cities and a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easier, you know, it took them a while to get around to locking down and suggesting it. But once they did, it pertained to most of the state just by doing it in a few cities. Australia is a giant version of that in some ways. And yeah, so they don't, they, they're really spread out. Right. And so the isolation aspect of it, if the cities take it seriously and the provincial governors take it seriously, um, it it helps, um, you, you know, to their, the crosstown traffic. The problem is, <laughs> is not Nevada, for example. The the uh, the the problem is Florida when they're saying, well, we'll let the counties decide. And then you literally have county borders that are on beaches and you can see a line on the beach of where people are allowed to go and people aren't. And the whole beach south of the line is full of people. And the, the, the line north of it, everybody's, you know, there's one or two people walking around. Um, it, it's such a madness that the, the people like don't recognize that what will help the most with this is everybody doing this. So, um, I like every other per like, like Fauci, like even the Sur- surgeon general in a moment of lucidity this week is calling for a natural, uh, an entire national stay at home, uh, order. And you don't have to wait for somebody to tell you to do the right thing. America stay home, act like it's in place, even if it isn't, because that's the way you're going to save other people. Because what you want to do is you either want to stay indoors until the cycle of this disease, its its life cycle, comes and goes, so you don't get it in a time period wherein you can't get treatment for it or there's not a ventilator for it, if, God forbid, you turn out to be one of those people that needs it. Or you have it, don't know it, or asymptomatic, and pass it on to somebody else who's in that same situation during this during its life cycle. So it should have been 45 days from the very beginning. It should have been nationwide. Um, it will, uh, and it's why the rolling uh, peaks are actually happening. Um, but keep our fingers crossed. Certain states are, you know, California has uh, actually bent their curve statistically below uh, not having enough uh, ICU and hospital beds. Wow. That's enormous for a state mm. that big, but it was draconian. You know, they issued a, you know, a statewide 
stay at home, close non-essential businesses, nobody gathering, you know, together in groups of, you know, I think 10 was the most work from home orders, all that kind of stuff. So because they did that and because they did it, you know, relatively early, you know, that made all the difference and it is seeming to make all the difference. It's still going to be a lot for California Mm -hmm. to deal with because the contagion was there before anybody knew because I don't know, the federal CDC um, was, was talking into a wind tunnel trying to get Trump to hear them because even Azar was uh, nervously giving briefings to the president that he ignored. Um, and you can see him contradicting the president, you know, several times when he's up there. He does. That's why they don't let him up there very often and why he got re- replaced by Pence, I think. But um, let's take a caller because I know we've got a few. Oh, yeah, we got like three calls out there. Yeah, I want to get one before we go into the uh, the hour break. So who do we have first, Devin? Cool. Hey, Edward, you there? Hey, hey, guys. Uh, quickly, hey. before the uh, middle, you guys go on a news update. Sure. Uh, I think we should be helping the people uh, to get excused from their rents uh, instead of doing mm-hmm. these bailouts for airlines. What do you think about that? Hell yeah. Well, that, that doesn't seem to be an either or. There is Both of those things are present in, uh, in the, the second stimulus bill. The, one, the bailouts for the airlines, quote unquote, are loans unless they pay staff with it. Not executives, uh, meaning pilots, flight attendants, mechanics, all that stuff. People who keep the planes prepped and ready to go, so that when the economy normalizes to some extent, the planes haven't, you know, the tires haven't gone flat and the engines haven't seized up, all that kind of stuff. Um, that exists. Yeah, maintenance, right? Yeah, maintenance and the staff that's going to be needed to, you know, so they don't have to go find another career in the interim because it'll be, you know three months turning into six months, turning into how long before people want to sit next to each other on a, in a tube. Right. Or they have to retrofit all the planes to have uh, UV, uh, UVC um, lights in all the, which they should have done already in all the ventilation systems to kill virus and germ and fungal particles. God forbid you think ahead and do that. But um, I don't think it's an either or is what I'm saying. The, the extremity of this circumstance is, is that both can and must be done. Um, uh, you know, the landlord forgiveness aspect is, uh, you know, is there's, there's a lot of complication around it. Cause on the one hand, you have these giant corporations that run multiple apartment buildings and they're a much different in a much different situation because they're diversified and they have investments and they're like any other corporation. But then you also have uh, the large flow of Airbnb people who have had long-term Airbnbs, or you have somebody who has like, uh, they were, Old folks lived in a house, moved into an apartment, rent the old house, and that's how they pay their rent. Those folks can't just not get rent payments from their tenants. So how you do it is the question right now. Do you pay the the renters and have them pay and float it through? Do you have everybody extrapolated over months or do you pay the, the landlord first? That's what's being worked out. It will be worked out. They've got, you know, a couple, like a week to do it. But that's the theory. Um, so I, but I don't think either, you can do both if you're an adult. <laughs> Thanks for the call. We'll be back right after this. This is the Health Force Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. You're listening to the House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. I've had people walk out of me before, but not when I was being so charming. Video streaming 
at housefarm.com. Well, I don't care for you or for the putrid sludge you're trowling out. Plus, Facebook, Instagram. True progressive talk. Might be a good time for you guys to give up. So we're uh, streaming across all uh, media currently, you know, and and what struck me this week is uh, after having started this show as a Ustream show back in the day. Oh, I forgot about Ustream. That's right. Yeah. And then bouncing it over to Livestream for a while, which was a a website that ran that was kind of similar, and then back to Ustream and then to YouTube and then, you know, all during this process, you know, I think it was while I was doing Ustream, we started doing the show here on the station in, in lieu of, right? So I would just stream it on Ustream and do the radio show at the same time. And, you know, this was just kind of my way of like, I'll just augment what we're doing, you know, do a little video live stream just because it's, you know, it, it works. It's, you know, it's possible. It makes it a little, you know, another way that people can hear the show understand the topics occasionally i could show some stuff visually that you know if you that you can't hear over the radio yada yada and then you know splitting it up and running it using this restream thing that i do uh where i'm on facebook and periscope and uh youtube and uh twitch at the same time in doing all that you know it was like maybe you know six months ago there was still an element of um i'm crazy for doing this you know what I mean? For, for, you know, like what, who does that? Who streams that much stuff from the, now I'm everyone. Like this is how the entirety of CNN and MSNBC is being loaded on. Like it's everybody's on YouTube now in one way or another, even if they're on their own real networks. Um, and it's, it's, it's shocking to me how, like how, how many of them, just don't know the basics about broadcasting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know, I understand that as a weirdo, I have gone through every possible mic and camera version you can, you can come up with. Um, and, and I've settled on a system that works pretty well for me. And I'm, you know, I'm always tweaking it a little bit, but when they, when I tune in and I see a bunch of people on there and I'm like, are you really using your, your laptop and no microphone right now on broadcast television. What are you doing? How do you not know how to have a home setup? So I think I'm going to teach a class this week while we're in, while we're in quarantine, I'm going to do a little like webinar on my YouTube page on like, all right, if you guys are going to be a pundit on one of these shows, I got to at least give you a rundown of some gear you can order and do it. Cause it's just imagine. So anyways, um, that said, um, I might have to ditch Zoom, um, which I was rotating into the possibility. So, I, you know, I did a nice little get together with the Patreons on there um, and I used it for one other thing. But it like like TikTok, only, only maybe not quite as bad and specific, is now turning out to be malware. There was an update yet uh, last night as the news started breaking that there were problems with zoom's security yeah it's been a real bummer yeah and there and and like the funny thing is is that like there there was a lot of pearl clutching about zoom as everybody uses it going they apparently look at your linkedin information and then anybody who wants to can just you know sign up for a subscription and and they can see your linkedin and i'm like do i have a linkedin does linkedin still matter does linkedin chart and I'm sure it does in certain business world stuff, which right, is where yeah. it, it, you know, it uses it the most. 
But there's a lot of that stuff going around, you know, too, is that in the taking advantage of this, I would like to, you know, and and I would argue that I jumped into the Zoom thing because it had been around long enough and like my kid's school uses it. There's, you know, so I, I got lulled into a false sense of security. I think about it like a lot of people did. But TikTok I've known about for quite some time. And increasingly, folks, um, any new app or any new social media uh, service that comes up and any new, um, you know, digital collaboration software that comes out, my advice going forward, period, is give it a week at least. After you hear about it and everybody starts using it around you, tap the brakes and then wait, a week, to, wait to hear the fallout. Yeah. And then a week later, start doing Google searches, set a Google search for the news on that particular app. And you will either see that it is rising and people are really happy with it or, oh, P.S., this is owned by the Russians. And there's so much of that, because one of the ways that um, that Russia and Saudi Arabia and all these other countries are getting around the fact that Twitter and Facebook and some of the others are are finally at least pretending to get wise about the manipulation is starting their own social media networks and and gathering a certain amount of people to them and if they can you know offer services cuz they don't have to make money on them at all so they can do an ad free version the Saudis or the Russians could do an ad free version of Facebook or Twitter if they wanted to and and if they garner a third of the audience over there, you know, they can use that to seed all kinds of political unrest in almost any country. And there was a story just today about how um, this uh, Twitter just broomed 30,000 accounts from Saudi Arabia um, and Damn. yeah, and two other Middle Eastern countries. And, the, and I, you know, in looking at the, the story at, about it, the fascinating part was these were not um, – I'm so used to hearing about them using sock puppet accounts to mess with our elections and mess with our own stuff. This was about them messing with each other. <laughs> this, that this is now – you know, initially this was a way – how do you attack America? Well, you do it this way. You got There's three or four ways. You create a bunch of bot accounts, and then you create a lot of like fake mask accounts, sock puppets. And then you go in there and you just stir up trouble. You enter in streams. You pretend to agree with either the poster or pretend to disagree with the poster. Um, and then you, you know, you start fights internally, cause division in smaller groups, and you let that fan out. Uh, and that's the strategy. And it works pretty functionally. But it's been how they've used it mainly on the United States. Now it has, uh, they have recognized, I think, in some ways, that it has more of an effect on some other countries. And it's becoming one of those, you know, when they when they went for when they attacked America, I stayed silent. And when they went after, uh, you know, Canada, I stayed silent. When they right. went after UK and the Brexit, I stayed silent. When they came after me, there was no one to yell, you know, that whatever that I'm totally crap paraphrasing that. But you yeah, understand right, right. what I'm talking about. There is nobody to protest. And and now Qatar and Saudi Arabia and uh, Iraq and Iran and uh, Israel and all these stuff are all you know getting caught in this you know artificial political crossfire you know of of racial and ethnic division being stoked on social media. 
So I'd like to remind everybody um, as we go forward, because you know I don't, you know I don't pull back, but I'm quite aware of whom I'm addressing these days, and and who I follow and who I allow to you know to follow me in some cases. If I you know if I need to do some brooming, I do it on occasion. Practice a little bit of social media. I keep finding you though, dude. What? I keep finding you. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, I don't know what it is. You keep changing your name to, you know, Johnny one, one, four, seven, seven, that's right. Winey peso. I mix it up. Yeah. Right. You know, MAGA CAG, uh, you know, hashtag <laughs> America third. Um, but in, in all honesty, like while, while we're dealing with all this kind of stuff, you know, I've, I've used this analogy a bunch, but I think it hits home and I don't know how, if everybody's heard it yet. But the end of Jaws, it is the end of Jaws. You are, you've killed the big shark, but you're in, a, you're in bloody water, kick paddling on a board, and the water is still full of other sharks. Please pay attention. Um, Can and, I tell you my story about watching Jaws on an airplane? No. Did you get un, unnecessarily scared? Did you think you saw it on the, wind, on the, on the wing? <laughs> There's a shark I, on the wing of this plane. There's a shark on the wing of this plane. There was a very nice woman sitting next to me who was dead asleep and I hadn't seen the movie probably in 20 years mm -hmm. and decided it would be a great view for my trip and the scene where Richard Dreyfus um, kind of scuba snorkels down to yeah. to investigate the boat and the, the skeleton face pokes out of the hole in the hull oh yeah I, I jumped so hard I pulled my earphones out of my iPad that's why I said, and I know I elbowed the woman next to me, but I did not let on that that was why I woke that why she woke up. I just totally pretended like nothing had happened. I was so embarrassed. Right. Well, the 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 fascinating part for you know, that's you know Spielberg loves skeletons, skeleton faces as the scary point. Like if you look at almost everything he has, like Raiders, about to get real. Um, when, when, uh, when a skeleton face shows up, Raiders, uh, Goonies, like, yeah, yeah. yeah anytime, you, uh, you know, um, uh, I mean, all over, all over Raiders. I dude. just did not expect that jump scare, man. Oh man. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. So I talked about this during the break a little bit, but in, you know, since, let me see if I can find the, uh, the BBC story on it should be fine. Um, I don't know if you heard this. As if cruise ships don't have enough troubles. Um, Venezuelan naval vessel sinks after ramming cruise ship. I'm going to read this real quick and then we'll go to break. Uh, Venezuelan Navy coastal patrol boat sank in the Caribbean after allegedly, allegedly ramming a cruise ship that it had ordered to change direction. By the way, the boat was sitting still in the water. Um, the owners of the Portuguese flagged RCGS Resolute said the naval vessel uh, Niguata also fired shots in an act of aggression in international waters. The collision left the cruise ship, which was reinforced, which has a reinforced hull for sailing in icy waters, with only minor damage. Venezuela accused the Resolute of quote an act of aggression or piracy. Really, a cruise ship? Mm. Okay. I mean, obviously, it's it, it's a ripoff, but I wouldn't call it piracy. Um, <laughs> Get away from me. Um, it also said uh, it did not rule out that the cruise ship was transporting mercenaries to attack military bases in Venezuela. Um, Whoa. Maduro has previously accused the United States and other countries of plotting to overthrow him. So 
They opened fire on it uh, and then rammed the cruise ship. Uh, the Venezuelan naval ship that rammed the cruise ship sank. So, so amazing. That's that's not a that's that's one of those weird fight videos you see on Twitter where you're like, I didn't think it was going to go that way. You know, like strongman tries to punch old lady and realizes why it's a bad idea too late. You know, so uh, we we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. It's now time for the happy ending. Yay. Oh, Lord. Um, we, I, I want to take a call in a second. But there was one section of uh, Trump's presser yesterday that stood out. And this is kind of what I'm talking about about how I'm trying to, thank you, uh, happiest girl, um, for the super chat. Um, there's a point where, like, Azar was at yesterday's briefing. Um, and uh, listen, first of all, Trump is being asked what happened, uh, oh, for a Patreon, nice. That's, yeah, thank you, sir. Um, Trump is being asked about, um, well, you'll, you'll hear. That question, whenever he's not here. Oh, they asked him, uh, uh, where's Dr. Fauci? You say, where is he? And you'll say, is there a problem? No problem whatsoever. Every time he's not here, sometimes I'll ask him to come because that's the first question that you and a couple of others from the fake news establishment ask is, where's Dr. Fauci? Oh, my God. I don't know what the fake news part of that is. He's physically not there. Where is the fake he? news establishment? Right. I don't know what they, yeah. Asking they, questions about facts. Right. And like... He's not here. Where is he? What's he working on? What's he doing? We're doing great together. We're covering a different subject today. Go ahead. Different subject. Okay, so this is the this is the one where I think we can different hear, subject because no one wants to talk about COVID. Yeah. Well, this is I think this is where he asks him about. Um, this is where Azar directly contradicts the president on a massive scale. Go ahead, Jeff. Mr. President, you have said nobody could have seen this pandemic coming. Back Secretary Azar at a biodefense summit in April 2019 said, of course, the people, uh, of course, the thing that people ask, what keeps you most up at night in the biodefense world? Pandemic flu, of course. I think everyone in this room probably shares that concern. Your own Health and Human Services Secretary was aware that this had the potential of being a very big problem around the world, a pandemic of this nature. Who dropped the ball? Well, I always knew that pandemics are one of the worst things could happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing like that. Word, that word pandemic, it just sounds bad. You know, it's like the opposite of pansexual, you know. Probably 1917, that was the big one in Europe. It started actually here and went to Europe. So, by the way, it's now the Kansas flu, according to Trump. Probably. Uh, mm. uh, I've heard about, excuse me, wait a minute, let me finish. I've heard about this for... A long time pandemics. You don't want pandemics. <laughs> Jeez, some crow. Oh my God, God. he's he listens oh, back to this and he's like nailed it. Yeah, totally. But wait till you hear what Azar says right out of the gate. I don't think he was talking about a specific pandemic. He was. Talk- he's talking about. Yes, he was. He was talking about a contagious flu, largely out of Asia. The same problem we had had. Um, James Etling and with the super chat in there. Yeah, we got four hundred people in the chat room watching the show today. Thanks so yeah. much, guys, for hanging out. This is. A- the viewership of the show is going through the roof. People, it's the biggest thing. People want to see it. About the threat of a pandemic could happen, and it could happen. And it could, most sure. Thought it wouldn't, and most people didn't understand the severity of it. This is very severe. What's happened is very severe. But I'd let you answer that. I assume that he 
was talking about the concept of a pandemic. Just, you know, the storyline. Yeah, big picture. Generalized pandemicology. You know, pandemery, pandemics. Thank you, Mr. President. Actually, absolutely, for 15 years now, this country... The what? For how long? It was at a massive effort at the federal, state, and local level of preparedness for pandemic. And then what happened? Uh, that largely has been, as I said in those remarks, about pandemic flu preparedness. Uh, we knew about SARS. We knew about MERS, which were earlier modifications or variants of the coronavirus. Uh, none of those achieved anything like what we're seeing today. But that's why for successive presidencies, including the leadership of President Trump, uh, there has been a great focus on pandemic preparedness. In fact, it was just in November, I believe, that the president signed the pandemic flu preparedness executive order. Um, that we have. That's the one I mentioned earlier. Right, right, right. So uh, updated the pandemic uh, crisis action plan. With yeah, the, the pandemic team that, that Obama put together had an action plan. Um, literally their updates are just like America language. That's it. Like it wasn't clear that this is talking about the country. Like they, they literally just, you know, peed in the corners of it. The playbook from which we've been working, the pandemic flu plan, the, again, the action plan from which we have been working that coordinates the whole of government, whole of economy approach here. And that hasn't happened and it took him forever and he didn't follow the paperwork. So, We've all been very focused on pandemic preparedness. Apparently you haven't, well, it, but you guys get the point. So he walked up and said, preparing for these things has been crucial. And the United States has had a, uh, a, has had a war footing attitude towards pandemic response for 15 years. Oh my. And then, uh, the Obama administration did basically the exact same thing that, uh, Bush Gore, or that um, that uh, Clinton Gore did with Bush when he came into office about Osama bin Laden. They had a meeting. They said, "Look, here's a here's a war game, and this is the circumstance. This is how stuff's going to go down. This is the worst thing you have to worry about is this dude." And um, and they went, "Well, we'll see about that." And then he ignored his president daily briefing, and eleven months in, bang, same thing in this circumstance. The Obama White House. Uh, sat down Trump's team when they came in and said, here's how this is going to play out when it happens, and it's going to be gnarly, and this is what we have to push back against it, and you have to, um, you know, you've got to take these steps to make sure you're up to speed when it happens. And, you know, you can't just run alongside the boxcar and dive in at the last minute. It doesn't work that way. Um, and, in, you know, and they they blew it off, and they knew it. And and Azar is coming up. They're going, yeah, we've known. He's like, nobody could have imagined something like this. And you're like, no, we've been imagining this very thing specifically in worst case scenarios for 15 years. But last year, Trump got rid of the maintenance contract on the ventilators that we had in storage because boring. And we stopped uh, um, changing over the masks that were in storage and let the ones that were sitting on the shelves rot because boring um and he was golfing the whole time and for the record with the amount of money uh that trump has spent on golf um he could have bought two hundred thousand respirators wow i didn't need to hear that yeah two hundred thousand respirators 
So this idea that preparedness was very important and that they always knew and that he's in charge and he really cares is garbage. It's nonsense. Absolutely. Only his most Kool-Aid drenched followers would believe for a second this inversion of reality that they have to. I mean, you have to be so frigging deluded to not look at his statements over the last three months and think that he gave a crap about anything else than his own legacy in terms of and the stock market. Yeah. But stock that's market was very good. How do you make money on it? So somebody in the uh, chat room said, where's karma when you need it? I got news for you. Karma is not instant. Karma is generational, spans lifetimes in that belief system. It doesn't happen instantaneously. And if you hope for it to, you will never have justice. Uh, the, the, the reality, so like there's no no anvil or piano movers like no, working over his entrances and exits? No, the only thing we can hope for is that they start hanging more mirrors in the White House so he gets more aggravated by the day. <laughs> um, because like I said, I do not believe he's a true narcissist. I believe he's... Uh, oh, he hates himself. He hates himself, yeah. Um, so let, uh, we got time for uh, one, maybe one or two callers by the sh end of the show. I think if we get them really quick. Uh, what? Okay, yeah. I'm going to try. 60 seconds. Do it. Well, no, I'm three minutes. Yeah. Who do we have? Is there still somebody there? Excellent. Hey, Karen. Hi. I'll make this quick. Uh, I noticed that in America, we're supposed to stay six feet apart or two yards but outside of America, the officials are saying two meters, which is longer than six feet. Are, are they more cautious outside the United States? No, that's a generalized phrase. That's, that's the same thing, essentially. <laughs> that is, mathematically, it's the same thing. Is that a fake accent? Yeah, it feels like it, but maybe not. But the point is, no, six feet is fine. Um, the idea is that you, you, you need to, uh, um, I, you know, uh, one Bradley Cooper prone away from everyone, I think, or Kevin Bacon. And you could surround yourself in, in prone Kevin Bacon's in every direction is how you do it. Um, but yes, six feet is fine. Uh, yeah, we're out of time. I'm going to talk to you guys. We'll have a bit of a post show <clears throat> and then I'm going to take a quick break. I'll have a shorter post show today because I know I'm going to be doing the 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 president's daily brief thing, the, the uh, coronavirus briefing. I'll be live streaming that with commentary today on my YouTube channel, infotainmentwars.com. And then, of course, uh, tonight, um, I'm also going to stream with Chris Gore from Film Threat um, and give you guys ideas for indie movies you need to be viewing during your quarantine. So we're going to do – I did the, uh, the Film Threat Awards with him. He's a great guy. He really gives a crap about indie movies, especially like indie sci-fi and horror, which is the hardest stuff to make. And uh, he's just fantastic and super fun. So we're going to stream later on tonight at, at uh, 6 o'clock PST. Uh, join us then. Thank you, Johnny Millions. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You do I love same. you. Um, and uh, you too, Devin. Everybody stay healthy there. Uh, and to all our callers, including the trolls and jerks that are out there, stay healthy. Don't die. See you on the other side.
Attention all homeowners in jeopardy of foreclosure. If you owe more on your home than it's actually worth, have missed one or more mortgage payments, have been denied a loan modification, or are facing foreclosure for any reason, you must listen to this message. A toll-free mortgage relief hotline's been established for anyone having their home lost in foreclosure. Just call 888-497-1876 and see if your home qualifies. We can help stop your home from going into foreclosure or even get your home out of foreclosure. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have faced foreclosure in the past year alone. This foreclosure defense group has helped thousands of people just like you fight the foreclosure process so they can stay in their homes. But you must call 888-497-1876 now to qualify. The call and information are absolutely free and the help is real. Don't lose your home. Call the Mortgage Relief Hotline now at 888-497-1876. That's 888-497-1876. 888-497-1876.